Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is David Weekly, founder and chairman of David Weekly Homes, a home builder who has been on the Fortune Magazine 100 Best Companies to Work for 15 times. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I'm really excited to finally speak with you. Not only has your company built a home for me way back when, and it was a fantastic experience, but I've heard from a mutual friend of ours, Terry, what a gifted leader you are. And I'm very curious what you think are some of your best practices as a leader. Wow. Well, as as you might imagine, these have changed over time as I've gained a few years and, and a little wisdom. It used to be that I was most interested in uh, taking care of myself and making sure that that I did well. And over time, I figured out that I need to put the team first. And that's when the company really took off. And I shared ownership. You know, most entrepreneurs are told not to to ever sell or give away stock, so to speak. But we indeed have shared ownership now with first just a number of senior leaders and now with the entire company through an ESOP and found out that really having a group of people work with me on reaching our goals does a lot better than, than me attempting to do so top down. Yes. And when I read your background, it sounded like you were already pretty successful before you realized that. I know you had the chance to go to Harvard Business School, but instead you chose uh, the entrepreneur route, so to speak, despite having lots of challenges along the way. Well, and and I think as, as an entrepreneur, so often you're working so hard to ensure your business not just survives, but thrives, that sometimes you can get very singularly focused and didactic and demanding and it's, it's kind of a scary time starting out a, a new business. And it took me a while to recognize that I'd get a lot more by focusing on others rather than myself. And again, when I did that, the company had done well before, but I was becoming limited by what I could personally oversee and do. Mm-hmm. And so to get a broader group, and I'd had people that were loyal to me, but I'd had a problem growing an organization that was really large. And so I ended up, in fact, bringing someone on that had skills that were different than mine, that was able to take, I guess, the, I got the company up to about $300 million, and he's taken it to about $3 billion today. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know if the aha moment came from losing people turnover or if the aha moment came from burnout, because like you said, it's hard to grow the company if you're doing everything or did you just know how to hire well? Well, my aha moment came, I guess I was in my early forties and we've all heard of middle-aged crazy when people kind of wonder why I'm doing this or why am I working so hard? I was probably Mm. working 60 to 70 hours a week, flying around to four cities. I'd gotten over my skis and realized that I really wasn't doing things as well as I had been previously, mm-hmm. and that the organization had gotten really bigger than, than my personal talent and ability to work was. I also happened to have, you know, go through a time that around the same time when I had to get an open heart surgery for birth defect. I'd also had somewhat of a religious re- retreat that kind of caused me to, to rethink my priorities and So all these Mm. things kind of came together and I was kind of shown a different way, so to speak. And at that point in time, I decided to give half my time and and half of my earnings away to a variety of charitable causes. And so if I was going to give half my time away, then I had to find somebody to to run the company. Wow. That's a pretty big aha moment in life. Thank you for sharing that. So then you put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, because I can verify through people we I know in the industry that know you, that you do give 50% of your money to charities. So then tell me, was that immediate, the change? Did it take a couple of years to get there? 
Well, I was kind of going through this transformation once before in my business, I had made a lot of money and then lost it all mm. during a downturn in the mid eighties in Houston. Mm -hmm. And I kind of realized during that period that I had had literally millions of dollars flow through my hands and, and no good had come out of it. And mm. so I kind of said, okay, God, I'll make you, I promise if, if you give me another boom, I won't screw the next one up. And sure enough, we, we came back in the, in the late eighties. And so in the early nineties, I kind of made that determination. And it was really a, that series of activities that, that caused me to make that change at the same time. That's really when I decided to start putting others first. That, that led to Fortune Magazine, best place to work that, that you spoke of. And sometimes it takes a little a little time and, and a few failures to, to get to where you recognize that you're not the most important thing, thing in the world, that the other people you're working with, if you, if you lift them up, then good news will happen and, and better things will be down the road. Well, it, it may sound strange, but I'm glad you had some challenges in life to get to where you are here, because I, I know, again, that you've helped so many people, because I know you have over 93% recommendation rate from customers, and, and I'm included in that one. <laughs> so you're, you definitely continue to, to serve others, and your company does, obviously. And, and I appreciate you sharing what you struggled with, because so many leaders have been through crisis lately and feel like they're the only ones that, that are struggling. And I heard you say in the 80s, you lost everything. How did you make it through that crisis? Well, I really realized that what I had in terms of physical things, you know, this was before I was 30 years old, I had become a millionaire, so to speak, and driving fancy cars and building a big house and lost it all. And then after working hard and, and coming back and I kind of identified how much was enough, which most entrepreneurs don't do. It's if you ask them how much is enough, the answer is usually more. And mm -hmm. so I kind of answered that question. And that's why in the in the early 90s, I was kind of able to say, okay, I've got enough to take care of my family and, and move forward. And, and now I want to give back on a more significant way than than tithing, which I've been doing for a number of years. But and I, I was blessed to be able to, to do that. And what would you then say to an entrepreneur who is currently going through a crisis? Would you say, first of all, make sure you know when enough is enough? And or are there any other tips? Yeah, I, I think the first thing I would say is, to don't freeze up because people normally hear the, the reactions if you're in trouble, either fight or flight. Yes. But what I've seen most entrepreneurs do is another F is that they freeze. And so they, they're not sure what to do. They know they're in a tough situation and they will just freeze up and not make decisions and not move forward. And I've been through a couple kind of death-defying downturns. You know, the most recent one was in 2007, eight when yes. I had to lay off 700 people mm. and it was very, very tough. And my family favorite definition of a leader is to find reality and give hope. And so we just had to be really transparent. Everybody knew we were going through a tough time. They could see we weren't selling houses. They were see we were discount houses. Things were really tough and they were looking to their side and seeing somebody got laid off or this happened here, this happened here. And all I could do as a leader was to really define reality. Here's where we are. Here's where the market is. Here's what's happening. But at the same time, give hope. We are going to make it through. We've got our financial shape, chip in shape, so to speak, and we'll make it to the other side. And for those that can't make the journey with us currently, we hope to hire you back on the other side. And in fact, two or three years later, we'd hired a big number of those folks back when we could afford to pay them again and, and get back in business. So to find reality and give hope to me was something that, that really saw us 
through that. Wow, I can only imagine how tough indeed that must have been to to not freeze and to take action. And when you say define reality and be transparent, can you elaborate a little bit more on on what you mean? Well, for us, during that time period, I'd cut my salary out. The, the normal, at that point in time, we gave Christmas bonuses and we cut those out, but it ended up that my wife and I ended up writing personal checks to 700 people. And wasn't as big as the company checks for sure, but it was just something to say, we, we know we're in there, we, you know we're fighting, we know there aren't, the bonuses aren't there, et cetera, but here's something that we can do because we'd put away some money and we had some some resources and more than a lot of our team did. And it was just the way we felt we ought to move forward. So so that was transparent and and kind of listen to your gut and your experience. Mm-hmm. And again, move. Don't make don't fight or flight and don't freeze. I mean, <laughs> ensure that, that you move forward in a positive way. Yes. Well, it sounds to me like you've also defined hope in the way you move, so to speak. Well, we did because without hope, and especially during those kind of times that it was so, so tough, you've got to paint a bright future for the company and for, for the operations is as scared as an entrepreneur is, hopefully they recognize that the, the people working for them are two or three times more scared. And so how do we as leaders, it's interesting, my CEO and myself, who I hired to help run the company, who grew the company so well as I described, we are both kind of scared to death, but neither of us admitted to, to each other only <laughs> after the fact. So we we're both kind of bucking each other up as, as well saying, yeah, we're going to do this and then we're going to move here, then we're going to move here. And just to, to make those decisions moving through through the process. In fact, coming through this last COVID experience, I talked to a lot of our nonprofit leaders and they were unsure what to do and, and our donors going to still give money and is the nonprofit going away, et cetera. And so I ended up counseling a number of them that they needed to take action and move and do some things and, and not just kind of wait and see. It wasn't just that they weren't going to have their, their fundraiser in spring. It potentially was a more significant issue that they needed to think about and how do they reformat their, themselves as an organization, et cetera. And a number of them did and came out much better for making those changes. I also happen to know you've helped a lot of leaders think through how to actually scale their businesses. And it seems like you have some tremendous best practices there. I And I think you yourself, together with your CEO, have scaled into 19 cities. And one of the biggest things that a lot of leaders or new leaders struggle with is how to hire the right people. Is there anything that you can share in terms of either hiring the right people or, or what impact that has on scaling? Well, for sure, without the right people, nothing really happens. And even when, when you do all necessary steps, sometimes you don't hire the right people and you have to make a change. But, but we take a lot of steps. We go through preliminary interviews. We go through a comprehen- comprehensive interviews that are three to four hours before we hire someone. We also interview their spouse or significant other and go to their home and meet with them because we're, we're in a ter- pretty tough business as a lot of people are. And we want to know if, if the spouse is for them changing jobs or for them getting into this line of work or for them coming to business or not. And what we found is that when senior manager goes and sits in the home or goes to a coffee shop and talks to the spouse and shows them that attention and effort and answers their questions every night when they come home and they might be late or tired or grouchy or whatever, that spouse remembers the fact that they got more attention from this company than they have from any other. And and we give them ownership through an ESOP and we just do lots of different things to allow them to know that they are not just respected and not just appreciated, but also cared for with financial security. We got problems profit sharing. Everybody in the company kind of knows how we make money and that it's based upon having satisfied customers. And we we do measure everything. There's really no place to hide here. <laughs> and so even though we're a caring company, we're very performance oriented. 
and we've got very objective measurements and people know how they're doing. And most everybody wants to do a good job in their work. And so giving them the facts and the metrics that allow them to determine how they're doing to me goes a long way. I don't have to stand up in front of a group of people and say, jump higher, run faster. They see what the results are and they know what they need to do. Well, it sounds to me like your company knows how to set people up to succeed. And I really appreciate you sharing about the Faust factor. I think that's very wise, best practice tip, if you will. And then as we wrap up, I have to say back to you live your word and your principles, because I know your purpose or your company's purpose is to be a home builder who builds dreams and enhances lives. So if people want to get more information about your company, they can visit davidweeklyhomes.com. And thank you again for being willing to share your wisdom on this podcast. And may you continue experience success. Thank you, Birgit. We appreciate it.